Welcome back to the Primary Care Podcast, everybody. Uh, Dr. Mark List here. Uh, we today are going to talk a little bit about some uh, uh, brand new uh, coronavirus updates because that's all we do today. And because we're doing so much uh, so much free press for the coronavirus, I actually got an invitation in the mail today. Um, I was pretty shocked when I saw it too. Um, but it was it was just labeled uh, to Dr. List from COVID-19. Um, and inside was a stack of cash and a note that said, uh, Dr. List, we love your podcast. Uh, we want to uh, we want to sponsor today's podcast as long as you'll read this advertisement for us. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read uh, since I got they paid me and I will do anything for money. So um, I'm gonna read the coronavirus's uh, advertisement. So give me a second here. Let me pull it out. <coughs> Dear Americans, social distancing is for communists and terrorists. Please go back to the gyms and hair salons. Also. Definitely hit up your local bowling alleys and use those communal bowling balls that haven't been washed in three decades. Please keep those delicious bodies as close together as possible. Love, your pal, the Rona. Well, thank you, uh, Coronavirus, for sponsoring today's episode of the podcast. And uh, remember, you can sponsor today's episode of the podcast by going to... uh, uh, primarycarepod at gmail.com and hitting me up with an email with a suggestion uh, of something that you want to hear on this podcast. Uh, so without further ado, uh, Bob, uh, please hit up uh, today's theme song. The Primary Care Podcast is written and by a family physician from an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced in my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views and policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Welcome back to the podcast, uh, pod people, pod boys, pod girls, pod PAs, pod NPs, pod MDs, pod DOs, whatever you are out there. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Um, uh, it's your favorite podcast host, Dr. Mark List, uh, your, your best friend, your coronavirus uh, update, your, uh, your pal. Um, we today are going to talk about a couple of different interesting studies that um, have, have changed uh, a little bit of the way that I'm thinking about coronavirus. On a macro level, um, if we have time, we'll we'll talk about um, some specific uh, outpatient hints, trips, ticks, tips, tricks. If I could talk today, uh, we talk about some more uh, stuff. Uh, if we have time today, we'll get to it. Otherwise, we'll make a part two of this and we'll uh, turn it around in pretty quick order, maybe back to back days. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of busy these days uh, with half 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 staffing clinics. Um, when we talk about a couple of studies that just recently came out, uh, there's two huge uh, studies in the last 48 hours, um, both preprint, both, uh, you know, hit up more, not even in that MedRx, uh, IV server, um, that people have been using, uh, to pre-publish studies, but these have actually been in popular media. Um, one was announced at a press conference today and we're going to get into both. I'm not going to, not going to, not going to keep you waiting any longer. Uh, but the two studies I'm talking about are the first reported coronavirus death in the Santa Clara, Santa Clara County area on February 6th. Now, originally, uh, February 6th, 26 was the first time when we had a death in the Seattle area, and we thought Seattle was really, um, the Kings County area was really our first tip-off point. And this, this article came out in the New York Times, the second on February 7th, two days ago, individuals weren't yesterday, April 22nd, that's literally yesterday. Now, the reason flies, that uh, this is um, changing it my viewpoint, my opinion, this this is that was found that on the autopsy. I was skeptical and, um, and remain skeptical about one, 
the opinion on the internet about there being various different strains. Obviously, uh, the one in Seattle we thought came directly from Wuhan area, right from China, um, and and kind of was the first kickoff. And we're pretty sure that the East Coast uh, infections almost all came from Europe, uh, specifically. Uh, I believe the current um, uh, likely path is through Italy. Now, when we get into some of the the debate has been, are there two different strains? Is there more virulent strain, less virulent strain? Is that why we're seeing some areas hit harder than others? Uh, and is, is that why Italy was hit so much harder than China or some of the Southeast Asian countries have been? Um, and, and, and also, uh, this idea that um, we had a couple of epicenters, right? Uh, the big epicenter, obviously, being Kings County in, in Seattle area. Um, and then, of course, on the East Coast, uh, Boston, uh, you know, New York, New Jersey, things like that. And this article, this idea that um, this was a, this person, these people that both died had no travel. So these were evidence of community spread. And, and why that's important is most people think that um, the virus started, you know, coming over sometime middle of January, maybe early January. But the crazy thing about this report is if somebody died on February 6th, we know hospitalization death time has been on average about, on average, about eight days. And so that puts the infection rate, uh, you know, the, the start of symptom onset, likely uh, end of January, maybe beginning of February. And this uh, this woman who apparently died was very healthy, actually, um, had no comorbidities, no pre-existing conditions, didn't take any medications, according to one of the reports that I read, or at least one of the two women, I can't remember, uh, one of the two people, I can't remember which one was which, uh, this February 6th or the February 17th one. Um but when we when we think about this, this this whole thing, if it was community spread, that means they needed to get it from somebody else who then had it and then got that at least two weeks earlier. That shifts the entire timeline up by at least two or three weeks, which means that this some of a lot we could have missed, you know, a thousand cases in the California and West Coast area, thousands uh, likely. Uh, you know, the initial cases out of out of Seattle proved that this coronavirus initial outbreak had a doubling time of about three days. Uh, really high R value, uh, definitely over two, probably closer to three. Um, and the caseloads were were doubling every three days, which is which is a lot higher because we weren't doing anything to prevent it. We didn't even know it was here. We weren't testing for it. We didn't have any any idea. And suddenly it was here and it was doubling at a rapid rate. And we saw cases all over the place, including nursing homes, et cetera. But this is a this is a, a, a weird f- scenario because if this if this originated in Los Angeles or Santa Clara County, or if this originated in Los Angeles and was community spread there locally, we probably missed hundreds of deaths even. Thousands of cases, uh, maybe not hundreds of deaths, maybe tens of deaths, um, thousands of cases uh, before the first cases in California were actually positive. And I think it's caused me to reevaluate a lot of how we view the the infectious nature of this. Um, it makes me question whether or not we do have an, an uh, either if this is super contagious or we just have that many more people are asymptomatic uh, than what we are actually catching. And we know that a lot of people are asymptomatic. We know that, you know, in lots of studies, it's been 30 to 60 percent. In some studies, they have super high rates. Uh, This recent um, outbreak in the Ohio prison, uh, 
90 plus percent of cases were asymptomatic. Now, they didn't stay asymptomatic. Many of them ended up developing symptoms. We saw that in the uh, in several other studies where the Iceland study, for example, it's often quoted that, you know, 30 to 50 percent of the cases were asymptomatic, but eventually a lot of them ended up getting symptoms. And so, but it, it's so it's so strange to have like a mini outbreak. And then what happened to it? Why didn't it go farther? Why didn't it spread? Um you know, I, I read a commentary on the internet about this, um, and somebody threw out, well, it's just a, a stochastic reason, which is a fancy word of just saying it was random. It, it was random that it didn't cause an outbreak. But why Why did every other outbreak spread off like wildfire, and why did this not trigger a massive outbreak if it was enough to cause two deaths before we even knew that we had a case? It, 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 it's just incredibly puzzling. And when somebody figures out all this stuff and writes a book, it's going to be a, a one one great book to read because it doesn't make any sense why the numbers didn't take off exponentially. Is there something to the warm environment theory? Um, a lot of our, our, our southern states are seemingly less affected than northern states, although there are plenty of cases in southern states. Uh, you know, Brazil has, you know, 40,000 cases. And they're in a warm tropical climate right now. It's you know still incredibly warm there. Australia was hit, but again, Australia, and New Zealand uh, not hit as hard as some other areas. So maybe there is a, a, an actual truth to the warm weather will decrease the effective spread of this disease, make it less less likely to spread. And maybe that's what happened in the Santa Clara County. I don't know. Um, I, I can't explain it, but it's made me really re, really re- reevaluate my thoughts. Uh, is it a lesser strain? Is that Santa Clara, Santa Clara County antibody study valid? And is it a 0.12% infection fatality rate with that strain in California? Gosh, that would be really nice. I would love to be wrong. I would love to come on this podcast and say, I'm wrong. The West Coast strain was just less virulent than the East Coast strain. And that's why we had fewer fatalities and it wasn't as bad, even though more people got on the West Coast than we thought. And because it was asymptomatic for most people, that'd be wonderful. It'd be a wonderful problem to have as we start talking about opening up the country again and getting back to normal life. That'd be great. I'd be the first person to cheer and, and clap. Um, and if that ends up being the case, great. Uh, I just think there were so many problems with the Santa Clara study. And then the same group did a Los Angeles County study. Um, you know, the next day and two days later after the podcast was released, they produced another study and it had the same exact flaws with the study. Um, and I, and I, I want to talk the next study I want to talk about. So that's all I have for that is just, it's really, it's, it's a really confusing case series where we don't know how many people had it, but a cluster of people definitely had it, whoever brought it in and then the community spread, but then why didn't it spread any farther and why wasn't it causing more havoc? Um, did it just die where these people, you know, people who naturally quarantined themselves or felt, or felt sick, so stayed home until they, until they got better. I, you know, I, 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 you know, I can't, I can't explain it. Um, no healthcare workers contracted it from these two people, even though we weren't wearing effective PPE. Um, I, I take that back. I, I take that back. The article did say that they died in their homes, which again, uh, maybe these were self-limiting cases and they died off with the people that, that got it from the original person who was maybe asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic. Maybe there's local spread. Um, we don't know enough details yet. Um, the second study that I really want to talk about though was the uh, New York study, right? And this is the idea that um, that 13% of people in the state of New York, 20% of people in New York City have coronavirus. And 
none of us are surprised if this, you know, again, we think this, the R0 value, the, the, the infectious rate uh, is between two and three and maybe even higher. The New York governor says it, it was more like 1.6 and with social distancing and quarantine and shelter in place, they got it under one because there were less bodies for it to infect. Uh, but still, people in New York, it's incredibly high population density. People live in buildings together. They ride on subways together. They are in very tight quarters together. And this was a major, major uh, epicenter spread to healthcare workers, spread to essential workers, et cetera, grocery store workers, et cetera. And so there's massive spread. And the fact that, you know, 20% of their population got it, that's a more realistic number. That puts the underrepresented value at around 14, uh, a 14 fold. So unlike the Santa Clara County study, which showed 25 to 85 times underrepresented cases, which again, I think that was an outlier for a reason. Um, this showed about 14 times higher rate than what we are reporting, which again, makes a whole lot of sense. And again, nobody believes that New York City actually has a case fatality rate, you know, in single digit percentages. You know, we know that we're missing a ton of asymptomatics and minimally symptomatics and people that just couldn't get testing because the testing, you know, wasn't wasn't available. And so putting it around 2 million people, uh, that's that's not unreasonable. That's not unreasonable at all. Uh, not at all. I think that's I think that's actually uh, pretty reasonable given how big the outbreak was and how infectious we think this thing is. The uh, the numbers that they used, and I want to caution, because people are using this study then to interpret infection fatality rates, and the the press conference and the a subsequent article that's been now everywhere and CNBC and you know the New York Times, they talk about the infection fatality rate, you know, being one percent because there's seventeen thousand something deaths in New York City. And that's including 12,000 reported plus 5,000 probable or, uh, or likely deaths um, as kind of the total. And then there are some more deaths that, haven't, that, that are above the, the normal um, that haven't been you know, attributed anything yet but are higher than the average. Now, when I, I caution on that because there's now been also a lot of discussion on the – well, the big take-home, the big question is – are how how much harm are we as a medical community doing or the the media did when we cause people to panic and when we cause people and we said if you're at risk if you're high risk if you have if you have comorbidities stay home right so i feel like when we when we when we did that we told a lot of people who were super at risk to stay home and so they're not seeking medical care they're not seeking uh, medical attention for things. People were now seeing heart attacks, we're seeing strokes, we're seeing things that are likely being missed at home, people coming in after the fact, people that are completely not coming in at all. We're, you know, New York City showed a weird, 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 weird decrease uh, in heart attacks uh, during the coronavirus outbreak. And they, they probably didn't actually have a decreased corona, uh, a, a decreased uh, heart attack number during the coronavirus. They probably just, these people just didn't come in right? And so we have a ton of people who, you know, there's a great New York Times article. And uh, if you if you Google the uh, uh, New York Times interactive article on this, this story, they talked about how we've seen death spikes in England, in Spain, in Istanbul, in Turkey, in Jakarta, Indonesia, in New York. And we've seen a, compared to the historical averages, the amount of deaths, the amount of burials, the amount of reported deaths, far, 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 far above the historical average. And 
there's a ton of people in the state of New York who have died and they can't explain why they've died. They died at home. Uh, they died. And, and, and it's again, just above what we'd expect. In New York City, the death rate was four times higher for the months of March and, and into April, four times higher in the daily death count than should be expected. And this article tries to tie a lot of this into coronavirus in making this 17,200 based excess deaths, right? Um, in this article that they talk about. I think the important thing to know is that this might not all be coronavirus, right? I, I, we can't put the in, the infection fatality rate at this, at this 1% that's often uh, quoted. Uh, you know, if you use the actual report numbers, it's closer to 0.5 for the state, right? Uh, 0.5 is kind of what we talked about, the probable infection fatality rate in the last podcast, talked about somewhere between uh, 0.5 to 1. Now, when we talk about the excess deaths, so I don't, I don't buy that these are all coronavirus or probable coronaviruses. These might be myocardial infarctions. These might be strokes. These might be uh, other people, ruptured aneurysms, people who felt terrible but were too afraid to go in until it was too late and die in their homes. Ruptured appendixes, uh, sepsis, you know, diabetics who you know have a foot ulcer that then gets worse and worse and they don't go in because they're scared because they know they're at high risk and then they have sepsis and then they get too sick to leave their apartment and die. You know, so I don't want to put all this on like, oh, these were coronavirus deaths. Yes, they're second related to coronavirus due to the decrease in medical care and, and ability to treat these people. But I don't necessarily buy that the rates are above one. I don't buy that it's 1%, you know, CFR or IFR. I, I think that it's likely about 0.5 or even lower. And again, it would be really interesting to see if those if those West Coast numbers are actually true, and maybe this is a different strain on the West Coast. Uh, so, you know, I guess these two articles really made me take a, another look at how we, how, what, what the, what the infection is actually doing in this pandemic in the United States, um, what we should actually be worried about. I think this New York study uh, with the antibody testing was better done. Again, the caveat being these were ambulatory people who were not sheltering places, were in public places that they were collecting the data for, for samples. So like grocery stores and, and things that where people were outside in the community. So again, uh, is this a falsely elevated test? falsely elevated antibody testing because uh, these people were out and about and they weren't sheltering in place and they weren't in quarantine in their own homes. These were these were people that were out and about. Uh, maybe. I think that, you know, the, they didn't recruit off Facebook, so you're less likely to get clusters. You're less likely to get people, based on the way that they got their sample, people that were searching out the antibody tests, like the Santa Clara study, which we c- uh, commented on. So I, and also, um, you know, we don't know how many percent positives, false positives are in these studies. Again, is it 0.5% are only false positives? Is it 2% false positives? What, what's the specificity of the test? So um, this study was a lot better conducted, at least based on the initial reports that uh, they didn't, you know, target off Facebook. They didn't get clusters of family members and people who knew people. They didn't necessarily, they, they weren't going to be testing people who were definitely symptomatic, who were looking for a confirmation bias, they, this, that consent bias. Um, and, and, and again, I, I think this was actually a more of a general representative um, population than actually targeting uh, white women on Facebook like the Santa Clara study was. So uh, also side note, that Santa Clara study uh, on Facebook and the LA one after that, um, 
some people have now been on Twitter saying, I was in this study. Uh, everyone who signed up used the same link in our my whole group of friends. We all use the same sign-up link, so uh, it wasn't like a validated study. Uh, other people are getting on and saying, oh, I was uh, asked them how many people were symptomatic at one point because all of us that signed up to try and get our antibodies tested were all symptomatic at some point. So um, again, that could just be Russian bots. That could just be misinformation. Those are just comments on, on social media. Uh, I don't know how much to trust those. But I think that, I think it, it again, proves that those studies were pretty garbage. Yeah, it's it, we're underrepresenting, but not by 20 to 85 times. There's no way we're underrepresented by 85 times. Um, but the New York study shows we're underrepresented by 14 times. That seems well within the realm of possibility. I think we all think it's about 10 times, maybe five times in some communities like ours that are testing really good. But um, anyways, um, I went super long again. Yikes. Um, gosh, sorry, guys. Uh, we'll get to the next podcast um, episode. I'm going to record it actually as soon as I stop with this one. It's about... A couple of maybe tips, tricks, things to look out for in the ambulatory side. Um, see what we can do. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Remember, don't have to stay up all night. Stay up to date. This has been Dr. Mark List signing off. Uh, again, hit me up at primarycarepod.gmail.com. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, God bless and stay safe. <laughs>